if we go to a true full scale contact tracing standpoint, um, it's not really in our, our, our toolbox. We have the ability to do some bookend traces and we, we have a system that works pretty good for cattle over the age of 18 months. But if you look at kind of our food supply chain, there's a really big piece of the puzzle missing and that's feeder cattle. Um, you know, they're the cattle that move the most. They're also the cattle that, you know, provide the most meat into our supply chain um, from a food security standpoint. That's that's something that we got to take a hard look at is how do we start incorporating that class of cattle into a traceability realm. Hey, hey, it's Shay, and you're listening to Casual Cattle Conversations, the podcast for cattle producers to explore new ideas that will help improve their overall management practices. Speaking of improving management, I want to encourage you to take a look at the lineup for the quarter two Rancher Mind events. These laid back Q&A calls are between industry experts and fellow beef producers, and quarter two is all about labor challenges. I mean, we're talking how, when, and where to find the right help, when to integrate new technology onto your operation, and how to become a more efficient manager and leader overall. If you want more information on being a part of these producer-driven conversations, head to the show notes and click the link that'll take you straight to my website. With that, let's hear what our guest has to share with us today. All right, Callahan. Well, it is great to have you on the show and great to visit today. We're going to be talking about biosecurity and traceability in the beef industry. And I know you and I have been able to have some conversations before and talk about what you do a little bit, but can you just give a brief background to the audience out there about what you're doing in the beef industry today? Yeah, thanks, Shay. I appreciate the opportunity again to get on the uh, podcast and talk about uh, something that's pretty passionate, that I'm pretty passionate about and something that uh, I think is a really hot topic and exciting uh, uh, time-wise, time, very timely in the beef cattle industry right now. So uh, my name's Callahan Grund. I, uh, I'm a cow-calf producer, um, seed stock and commercial, grew up in western Kansas, uh, now live on the eastern side of the state and uh, uh, very involved on my family's operation back home and then uh, our operation here that we're jump-starting as well. Uh, the pay and day job, though, is the thing I'm most passionate about as it relates to the topic, and that's um, working for U.S. Cattle Trace. I'm the executive director for U.S. Cattle Trace, which is a um, voluntary nonprofit organization focused on building a nationally significant uh, animal disease traceability system in the beef cattle industry uh, to prepare, you know, be a tool um, mm-hmm. for animal health officials and work uh, as producers for producers in the face of a disease outbreak, which I'm sure we'll get into the intricacies of that and mm-hmm. all, all of those that entail earlier and um, some of my past experiences as well in the world uh, that I've seen some of those, some of the different viewpoints that led me to, to be a really passionate advocate for this topic in the cattle industry. Well, why don't we jump into that? What are some of those different viewpoints that have led you down this road to be an advocate for traceability in the United States beef industry? Sure. No, that's great. You know, I, I probably took a little bit of a different uh, pathway to this world, I would per se, that some others have. I, uh, when I was, uh, I, when I went to Kansas State University, I uh, became an intern for uh, the Secretary of Ag. I thought I really wanted to get into ag policy. Um, thought I was pretty passionate about the political side of things and how that is, and certainly still have uh, some interest in that area. Uh, but but uh, my passion, my my true passion kind of quickly changed. The Secretary of Ag at the time um, in Kansas was very passionate about bio 
you know, being prepared for uh, foreign animal disease preparedness for the state and what that looks like and how could we protect really the Kansas agriculture economy. Uh, can Agriculture is the largest economic driver in the state of Kansas. And so from an economic perspective, you know, how can we prepare ourselves to you know, be ready to respond in the face of a disease outbreak and be the most prepared state. And so uh, there was a, there was full scale functional exercises still as to this day, um, you know, to prepare for that. And she said, why don't you get involved with that? Uh, Encourage me to help as part of that to get involved with the emergency management coordinator and put on that exercise. And but I don't I don't really know what that means. I don't know anything about that. And uh, really opened my eyes to um, you know, not only the potential impact that a disease like foot and mouth disease uh, could have to the beef cattle industry, but really the the tools that are available to animal health officials today to be able to respond quickly and accurately to let us get back to business as normal for uh, cattle producers. Uh, it really opened my eyes and to, to be honest with you, kind of scared me a little bit about how not prepared we are as a beef cattle industry Uh I sit still today in Kansas and probably uh, I would say the most prepared state in terms of foreign animal disease preparedness. Uh, And I would say we're not even close to being prepared for that if, you know, God forbid something were to happen in that regard. And so uh, it quickly became a passion topic of mine. I worked on uh, some of the first uh, secure beef supply plans in the nation, uh, which is an enhanced biosecurity um, uh, preparedness tool for operations to be able to use in case of a disease outbreak time. And then when uh, Cattle Trace was born as a pilot project um, within the state of Kansas on the producer standpoint, got involved with that early on at the Department of Ag. And then as I shifted out of the department, I was fortunate enough to uh, apply and and receive this job here at U.S. Cattle Trace um, as we kind of transition from a pilot project into a full-blown organization. Well, awesome. You've definitely been involved in multiple different facets of this space. Sure. So as we kind of compare the U.S. to other countries, like what does our preparedness for um, disease outbreak look like compared to other countries? That's a great question, Shay. Um, you know, I think with the current tools available, we've done well trying to progress it. I'd say, you know, further education really amongst not only the industry, but even some new animal health officials within the last uh, three years, we've had over two thirds of our animal health officials across the country um, transition into new positions. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's varying levels of knowledge uh, base, but also interest in this area. You know, they've got a lot of different things on their plates as animal health officials. And so, um, you know, this is certainly an important topic for them, but not the lone sole portion of their job that they have to tackle every day. And so, um, you know, the reason I talk about it from a state perspective is I think in the U.S., that's where um, traceability and disease uh, preparedness and response really starts and ends is with the states. You know, USDA is a good support function in that realm, but the states are kind of the leaders as it regards to traceability um, and how that works for not only the beef cattle industry, but other segments of of the agricultural industry, too. Um, so in regards to other countries, you know, I think we, um, with the tools we have, uh, we do a pretty good job, especially on the breeding cattle over the age of 18 months. You know, we've pretty much eradicated brucellosis across the U.S. 
you know, except for a handful of states, which I think is pretty, um, pretty impressive and a testament to the job that, you know, each state has done over the years uh, from their uh, preparedness standpoint, but then also the tools that they've used to eradicate it. You know, uh, thinking about some of the other countries, though, from a traceability perspective, that's a tool that's not currently in our toolbox today. If we go to a true full-scale contact tracing standpoint, um, it's not really in our, our our toolbox. We have the ability to do some bookend traces, and we, we have a system that works pretty good for cattle over the age of 18 months. But if you look at kind of our food supply chain, there's a really big piece of the puzzle missing, and that's feeder cattle. Um, you know, they're the cattle that move the most. They're also the cattle that, you know, provide the most meat into our supply chain um, from a food security standpoint. That's that's something that we got to take a hard look at is how do we start incorporating that class of cattle into a traceability realm to allow our animal health officials to have the opportunity to be um, just as good as every other country out there from a traceability perspective. That'll help us from a trade perspective. That'll help us from a business continuity perspective if we ever get into a disease outbreak. Um, you know, those are all really important tools um, and, and one that we need to certainly add. But I would say as a whole, we've done a, a good job with the current tools available to those animal health officials compared to other countries. So you said, you know, what can we do to, you know, you talked about the feeder calves and what yes. can we do to work mm -hmm. on that segment so that we can, you know, have as good of a traceability system as other countries. What are other countries doing that makes their traceability system superior or maybe not superior, more effective might be the better term. So what are some other countries doing? What do those systems look like? Sure. They're all different, um, you know, to, to incorporate uh, those cattle. The biggest thing I think is that, you know, they, the, the, the leg up that they have is it encompasses all classes of cattle. So, you know, feeder cattle, uh, breeding cattle, um, and some of those systems are different. It may just be what I'm going to call a bookend system. You tag the calf at birth. If it ever loses a, cat, a tag at some point in its life, you put a new one in it, you report it to the government, um, and then it's seen at death. You know, it's it was born, you know where it ended, and then, you know, they try to figure it out in between. Um, some countries like Canada started with a system like that and tried to work their way backwards. So now feed yards have the opportunity to read those cattle and move it into that you know, uh, there's a lot of different efforts, um, you know, and different viewpoints across the industry. I'd say Australia has a really good system um, of being able to do some traceability, probably not real time and not super quick, mm -hmm. but um, has an opportunity to do some sort of, uh, some level of contact tracing versus a bookend system. But, you know, I'll tell you, they're even still with uh, foot and mouth disease knocking on their doorstep being in Indonesia right now. You know, they, they're still worried about what that may be, uh, you know, and they, they have the ability to probably, you know, flip the switch on and be able to do traceability a little quicker. But foot and mouth disease is the one we always talk about. It's always the scariest. It's in two thirds of the world right now. Um, we've been very fortunate uh, to not have um, foot and mouth disease since 1929 in the U.S. I hope we never see it in my lifetime or even my children's lifetime. Um, but, you know, looking at that, we, we do need to be prepared because we've seen in other segments of the industry, uh, the swine industry with a, in African swine fever, the poultry industry with uh, high path avian influenza. You know, these diseases are real. They're uh, they are. Um, detrimental to business. Uh, we can all see that with the price of eggs right now um, and chickens. Uh, surprise, that is not just because of inflation. That is because of high path avian influenza. So, um, you know, uh, trying to be uh, 
work on those traceability systems and those tools are really important so we can be on that level playing field with the rest of the world and be able to continue to be a leader like we are in the um, protein segment across the world today. You know, and you kind of touched on it, but you know, you talked a lot about foot and mouth disease, but is that the, what would you would say is the biggest threat to United States biosecurity or what are some of those quote unquote threats that we may face in the biosecurity world and why it's important to be talking about this subject today? Sure. No, I think that's certainly important. There's a, you know, you look at different portions of the country, like I mentioned, some states still have brucellosis Mm -hmm. and that one is a, a pretty big one. You know, I like to talk about them economically significant diseases. So diseases that could inhibit not only your operation, but, you know, larger portions mm-hmm. of the industry like brucellosis, tuberculosis, um, but foot and mouth disease is also is the biggest, scariest one, especially in the cattle industry. That's one that uh, spreads like literally like wildfire. And sorry to give a presentation <laughs> for some that are on podcasts, but if you think about like a tip of a, a ballpoint pen, I, I was told this one um, by a veterinarian. You know, if you think about that infected in foot and mouth disease, and I, I stick it in a water at a feed yard, that's enough variant to affect 10,000 head of cattle. So if that you think about how rapidly that can spread and those 10,000 head, if they were in a pen um, right beside a road and a truck drives by with it, you know, they're shedding enough virus then at that point to just infect a truck, you know, 20, 30 yards away from them at that point, driving by on a road. So it spreads literally like wildfire. That's why it's the most important to have a system that could quickly and accurately trace it um, to be able to uh, isolate those diseases. Um, you know, we've all lived it with COVID, how quickly that spread. Um, foot and mouth disease would spread certainly a lot faster um, and, and maybe not show up even as quickly um, within certain cattle. Uh, and we want to be able to, to get back to business operations as soon as possible, or even start looking at different um you know, different trading perspectives as soon as possible. There's, you know, discussions about regionalization, what that looks like um, from a trade perspective into the future. And so all of those have implications and the fact that we need a quick, accurate way to trace cattle uh, moving forward to as a tool in the toolbox for animal health officials to do their job protecting the industry. Absolutely. And this is clearly important um, as for, you know, if like you mentioned, like those diseases are economically relevant, they would impact many cow-calf producers That's and, right. you know, our whole country. So as we look at solutions for traceability and biosecurity to, you know, help us when something happens, I'm always told it's not um, if it's a when situation. Now, when we look mm-hmm. at those solutions, there's always a cost. There's a cost for everything. How is that cost going to impact cow-calf producers? Yeah, certainly. It, it always starts, uh, you know, a good traceability and ID system starts at the ranch level, you know, before those cattle ever leave the ranch of origin. So you think about feeder cattle, um, you know, they leave your ranch earlier. Heifers, you know, they they may stay on the operation for longer than that, you know, may not need that ID up front, but every anytime it leaves moving forward or becomes breeding age, you know, um, it needs an ID once it leaves your ranch of origin then at that standpoint. And so, um, you know, looking at 
the cost of a system, it, it varies really. Um, it looks, you know, we've run some economic analysis on the cattle trace side, um, looking at it, you know, from the cost of just the tag, you know, around that $2 standpoint, uh, you start include, including labor on, you know, whatever operation it may be, depending upon the facilities and uh, time and, and how you gather your cattle, you know, it could be higher than that, you know, it could be six, $7 uh, once you include all those different costs into it at that standpoint. Um, but, you know, certainly there, uh, the standpoint of cattle trace is to, to try to, uh, you know, make that pretty um, economically uh, uh, equitable across, across the different segments of the cattle industry there. Um, but if you look at really the traceability system in general, those are some of the costs moving forward. But, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, Shay. I went and bought some visual tags because, you know, everybody, I'm a seed stock producer like you. Mm -hmm. um, we've all got our own tagging system. So outside oh, yeah. of me putting the EID in, I'm going to have a visual tag too. Um, I'm going to match that one up to its mama. So I went and bought visual tags the other day and they were $1.46 per tag. Um, so we're looking at a, uh, you know, roughly we're looking at a 54 cent increase uh, on a per tag basis. If I just went with the EID tag, um, you know, versus the other tag there. So um, while certainly it cost, um, and, you know, we're slight, slight, slight margin uh, takers um, within the cow-calf industry. We mm -hmm. don't get to set our margin like we do in the auction markets or feed yard segments. We we kind of take when when it's really good, it's really good for us in that margin piece of the pie. And when it's really bad, it's really tight and um, bad for us in that. But, you know, if we could build those costs into what we do and maybe even turn around and utilize that, may, make it a benefit for our operation through some operational efficiencies, um, you know, being able to... Uh, better manage and track your cattle um, at a quicker pace than you have in the past. Those are certain good ways to move forward in that realm. There definitely are a lot of opportunities with it when you look at, um, you know, especially if you're already taking weights on animals and recording any other data points and data is power. So data or, is power. Yeah. I mean, we need that. It make it helps. It really helps producers become more knowledgeable about what's actually going on and what animals are performing for them. So I do appreciate that insight. Yeah. Now, if we're looking at the beef industry in the next five to 10 years, which really isn't that long, that's not, where would you like to see the industry from a traceability standpoint? It's a great question. I like when you say uh, that's really not that long away. We're um, and talking with my family right now about what bull we're going to buy here uh, for this next breeding season. And like, he's a three-year fix. Well, if we think about that, you know, we're not selling progeny out of him from a seed stock perspective for three years. So it is, it's quick. It's so quick when you start looking at the next five to 10 years and the planning of that for your operation. If we look at it from an ID perspective, I um, mean, traceability perspective, I'd love to see us get within the next five to 10 years to where we're progressing, you know, upwards that 70% uh, would be a nationally significant, 70% of the industry participating in a traceability system would be nationally significant in the U.S. If we could get halfway there in the next five to 10 years, that'd be incredible. I think uh, certainly just learning and continuing education on that standpoint about the benefits of ID and traceability, but then also moving forward, um, you know, with the ability to, uh, you know, be better informed about disease traceability and how that can impact your operation as well. Um, we're, we're in a unique position, I think, in the U.S. We're really good at being reactive to industry issues, and this gives us an opportunity to be proactive, um, hopefully, and get ahead of this before anything were to ever happen for us in the industry. You know, if at the end of the day, we say all of that was for nothing because another 100 years from now, we still haven't had foot and mouth disease. 
Uh, I think that's a pat on our back to say that we've done a good job in terms of building out um, systems before a situation were to arise in that problem. So that would be kind of my vision for it, Shay, in the next five to 10 years. And so I guess maybe I should have started with this question, but how do you define sure. traceability in the yeah. industry? What is how, how, how do you define that? I mean... It, it's a big word. So, you know, traceability uh, can be looked at in a lot of different lenses and view and viewpoints. You know, if we just look at um, the definition of traceability, it's the ability to trace uh, any given item, um, object, anything like that. So you can talk about traceability in lots of different realms. That's why you hear me say disease traceability a lot. You know, we look, I, I talk most typically given my role and my position um, about disease traceability and having the opp opportunity to trace cattle for the uh, impact of diseases and where, where it may spread from an economically significant standpoint. You know, if you talk to maybe a value added company out there that could add some value for your feeder calves in a marketing standpoint or anything like that, you may hear them talk about traceability and that's to add value to your cattle. It's um, to tell that story when you're marketing your cattle. You know, I grew up on this ranch. It uh, went to this feed yard. It's ultimately a steak on your plate here today. You know, there's lots of different viewpoints and lenses there. So traceability is a big word that you have to distill down into some different silos. Um, for me, you know, I'm talking about disease traceability in the next uh, five to 10 years, but also operational um, uh, traceability as well. And ID is really the core crux of that and having the opportunity to, you know, be able to utilize that in your operation um, is a big important of uh, important piece of that form of traceability as well. So then if some producers are already using traceability for a different silo, right? Like mm -hmm. if they're already using it, maybe to help market their cattle better. Sure. Is it fair to say we're almost part of the way there in some that, aspects? That's exactly right. Yes. I, uh, very kudos to those producers out there. I think that's not only a good differentiating point for them marketing wise, uh, but something why I think it's also unique to have a voluntary effort like U.S. Cattle Trace um, out there in the cattle industry is that allows producers to be differentiate themselves, um, be progressive in the area of utilizing ID and traceability to be able to market your cattle and 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 differentiate your product when you're out there. Uh, and at the backside, you're still accomplishing disease traceability to your point there. You know, you have an opportunity there to be halfway there already because you're utilizing the technology that allows for speed of commerce and the quick and accurate traceback for animal health officials at that standpoint. So yeah, very much so. I think that's very fair to say. So as we kind of wrap up the conversation today, why, if anything, should the average Joe cow-calf producer care about biosecurity and traceability in the United States beef industry? Why should this matter to them? I'm going to go back to my why um, when I was on the inside and I, I looked at what, you know, we, we pretend in foot and mouth disease was here in Kansas. The number one thing we do uh, if a foreign animal disease like foot and mouth disease happens, it's a mandatory stop movement of all livestock for 72 hours. I can tell you it's probably a dream that we're only going to be at 72 hours. In Kansas, it's indefinite until the state animal health commissioner gives a thumbs up. You know, USDA, I could see extending that stop movement uh, for days on a time. So if you think about that alone, we're not operating at all in the beef cattle industry. So we saw what happened in some of these black swan events of a, of a Holcomb fire or, um, you know, COVID, what, what that did to our uh, beef cattle industry and the significant impacts that put on it. If you think about something directly impacted to the entire beef cattle industry within the U.S., 
that's detrimental to a lot of operations out there. You know, a lot of us, I've got a day job working for producers mm -hmm. at U.S. Cattle Trace. I've got 40 head of cows out here in the yard. Uh, you know, those 40 head of cows, I probably I'm not, you know, I'm not making it from a financial standpoint at that point. So my my uh, passion, uh, hobby, dream, you know, probably goes out the window and I'm sitting at a desk job again, you know. So uh, you, you look at the impacts that has to our livelihoods and even wrap into some of these you know, rural communities, you know, we're always talking about rural community vitality. All of us live in rural communities as, you know, cow-calf producers. Um, you know, you think about it, agriculture literally drives some of those, you know, communities forward. And without it, it'd be, a, you know, another ghost town in rural America. And so, uh, you know, the, you think about the financial impact that has to, uh, you know, operations and the trickle-down impact past that. That's really the why, I think, you know, to be proactive, allow animal health officials to have a fighting chance of this scary foot and mouth disease ever to show up, I think is really, really important, you know, uh, uh, to the, not only the future of the beef cattle industry, but the future of your own operation as well. Well, thank you very much for sharing you, all Shay. your insight. Um, is there anything else you want to add? No, Before I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity, and um, hopefully, uh, if folks have any questions, uh, you'll be able to have my contact information up on on the podcast there. And uh, please feel free to reach out. I'm a cow calf producer, just like the rest of you. I uh, have some good connections in the feed yard and auction market sector as well. Uh, it's a passion of mine. I, I'd love to chat with any of you about it and uh, discuss your why there as well. All right. Well, thank you very much, Callahan. Thank you, Shay. And. That's a wrap on that one, folks. Thank you for tuning in today and joining in on the conversation. Be sure to take this a step further and take the advice you learned and implement it on your operation. If you want to have a conversation about it, head over to my social media and send me a DM by following at Cattle Convos and connecting with me there. Have a great day.